this week on Restoring Confidence. We need to value our seniors and their contributions to our society, not seeing just them as a burden to our society or health system. Hi, I'm Rita Tritcher. Welcome to Restoring Confidence, a podcast that looks at the health and economic impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic and plots a roadmap to recovery. My guest today is someone who has become very familiar to Canadians. Dr. Teresa Tam is an infectious disease expert who is best known as Canada's chief public health officer. She has become something of a celebrity in Canadian households because of her TV briefings during the pandemic. But she's also faced criticism over Canada's early response to COVID-19 and became the target of online abuse because of her race and gender. I called Dr. Tam to discuss key lessons from the pandemic and how the healthcare system needs to change to protect vulnerable citizens. We also discussed how she handles criticism and whether she has any regrets about Canada's initial public health response. Obviously, the COVID-19 situation is evolving in Canada. Case counts change every day. With that in mind, we wanted to make this big picture. Here's our conversation. Dr. Tam, thank you so much for joining us today. Just to start off, a lot of Canadians are suffering from what's being called pandemic fatigue. Does that affect you too? Yes, and um, you know, I, I've said repeatedly that um, this response is like a marathon, so it is you know, it felt like a 100-meter sprint at the beginning, but then you just have to keep going. You know, right now we're also planning to at least respond to the pandemic for many months to come. You, you can see globally that this virus is, is, is everywhere, so you have to sort of keep going. We work, you know, around the clock, but you do have to take a little bit of time off and recharge so that you can keep going again. So like marathon and running, um, sometimes you hit a bit of a wall and you just sort of check, need to check yourself. And if you feel like that's what's going on, it's important to uh, take a, a bit of a rest and recharge. Are you a runner? Well, I have finished marathons in the past. And uh, so, yes, I, I take part in my local community runs, but also the Ottawa Race Weekend and the Army Run, of course. And I've done some quite difficult marathons. Um, and for example, one that went between Lubeck uh, in Maine and Campobello Island, which I will never forget, not just because of the scenery and the fact that you're crossing the US-Canada border, but because of the hills, they were extremely difficult to do. So I felt myself running out of steam at about um, 30 kilometers and then really had to pick myself up to try and just finish. And I did in the end, but uh, that was an unforgettable kind of marathon. That's absolutely amazing. I officially have no more excuses <laughs> about uh, not keeping fit um, if you find time to do marathon running. Um, so your expertise obviously is in infectious diseases. So I was wondering, um, has anything surprised you about this pandemic? And if so, what? Well, um, as the saying within the community goes, if you've seen one pandemic, you've seen one pandemic, and no single one of them are exactly the same. I've been involved in preparing for a pandemic, particularly influenza pandemics, for some time. And so I think uh, what's surprising about this pandemic, not just because the virus 
spread really quickly, which is a characteristic of a lot of pandemics, but also how the world reacted to the pandemic quite, quite quickly with a lot of reduction in global travel, restriction on the borders, but also millions and billions of people observing public health measures in their own country, in their own communities, and in actually fairly similar ways. I think billions of children stopped going to school um, in March, for instance. So it's a global phenomenon that was, it's, it's actually really difficult to fathom. Uh, but every pandemic is a very complex response, not a purely biomedical one, but one that engages a lot of different aspects of society with so, you know, big social and economic consequences, which is what we're seeing with this pandemic. When your five-year plan turns into a five-day plan, you know you're going through business as unusual. Export Development Canada is here to help companies of all sizes with financial solutions and expert advice. Visit edc.ca today. Obviously, this pandemic is global and not just a Canadian issue. But were we simply too optimistic here in Canada? Maybe too slow to act, too reluctant to shut things down? Is there a moment that you see now when you look back and think, hmm, maybe we should have acted faster, maybe we should have been more prudent? Well, I think that's a question that many people are asking, and I think it's part of lessons learned and moving into the future. At the start of the pandemic, I think the public health community writ large, not just Canada, was looking at well, whether we can contain the virus at the source. People were always questioned, should we have, you know, uh, and closed, the, well, restricted our borders. We can never completely close our borders because Canadians have to come back. Remember the repatriation of Canadians at the start, you know, these border restrictions has massive consequences. And so um, that's not a decision that is taken lightly by decision makers. But I think that would always be looked at. And maybe the next time we looked at that, 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 that would be different. But uh, I think many uh, people are not aware of some of the massive amount of preparation the public health system had done ever since we heard about the virus. We detected the virus at the sort of latter part of January. Think of how much innovation had to be done in our laboratories using the genome sequence that was provided to actually get testing across Canada pretty much a couple of weeks after the virus uh, was first sequenced. But there's many other aspects, I think, in, into the future, and this might be more the sort of forward-looking bit is you know, addressing equity is being a cornerstone of our response. Recognizing that the public health system is quite a small system and we, could, we have to respond together in concert with many sectors. So this, not just the acute care sector, which, but long-term care, home care, and many other aspects of taking care of our people who live in Canada um, really need a lot of strengthening. The long-term care and seniors impact, I think, was one massive magnifying glass, I would say, that showed cracks in our existing systems and the consequences that comes from that. In the future, showing up, and even now, in this 
potential resurgence, you've got to really make sure we protect the most vulnerable. We know that congregate living settings, people who uh, live in poverty, who have low-paying jobs in racialized communities are areas that are most impacted. You know, I was very happy to see Canada supporting Canadians with some of the social policies and supports, but that is part of pandemic planning. It's not just the health sector, but that of many other sectors working together. I'm so glad that you brought up the issue of equity because it leads into my next question. Um, A lot of people consider universal health care or public health a core Canadian value. And as you uh, mentioned, we've seen that COVID-19 has had a disproportionate impact on racialized Canadians and lower income earners in some communities. What went wrong in your view? And moreover, what can we do uh, next time to better protect vulnerable people? Well, when I uh, started off my five-year mandate, and about three years into that, I actually had put equity at the very core of everything I did. So ageism, ableism, racism, stigmatization and discrimination of people that we perceive as different, the them and the us, is pervasive in any society. And Canadians have to recognize that it is within the Canadian fabric of society as well. The first thing to do is to realize that it is there. And we need, we need to value our seniors and their contributions to our society, not seeing just them as a burden to our society or health system, an extremely valuable aspect of our society. And that crack is that 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 system crack is it's the most evident i think i hope that with this jolt of the of the crisis that everyone will realize that we need to go forward in a much stronger stance on t- tackling healthy aging but just take one step next to that um, sort of realization is that the people who care for our seniors are not supported. Many personal support workers we've seen in in outbreaks in in Quebec, in Ontario, we suddenly realize that we entrust the care of our seniors and all those essential services to people who are least supported, low pay, don't have a actual long-term job. They're doing part-time. They have to move between facilities which puts them at risk of infection themselves, but also transmission between facilities. So the other aspect is that uh, we don't have enough data necessarily on race and ethnicity, but we do have some local information. For example, in Toronto, they've gathered data to show that uh, neighborhoods and communities that are most impacted, uh, uh, racialized communities disproportionately uh, account for the people impacted by COVID-19, which shows that all of those complexities of job security, poverty, crowded living, all come together to make those areas and communities our high priority for support. So targeting some of those investments, you, you don't necessarily blanket the same thing for every community, but paying particular attention to supports. One thing to 
that I may just want to um, emphasize is that our indigenous peoples, First Nations, Métis and Inuit, have knowing the uh, risk factors and health equity challenges from historic perspectives and um, food insecurity, et cetera, have done actually really well. So I think they've taken charge, uh, for example, First Nations communities on reserve have taken charge um, of the pandemic response and have um, been very resilient and come and, and right now have seen very few cases in term, compared to their population size. But they are still suffering from inequities of other health impacts, other chronic illnesses, other infectious diseases. And uh, many of our society are impacted, for example, still by um, the opioid crisis. So all I can say is public health is, is complicated. Health addressing health equity and leveling up the playing field, that's how I always try to think of it, so that every Canadian has a chance to enjoy the maximum of uh, good health with their own context is extremely important. Again, that is not a sprint. This is a ongoing, sustained strengthening that we need to do at all fronts. I want to pivot a bit and uh, ask you about your childhood. How has it shaped the person you are today? I think, I think lifelong learning has always started probably from the day that my parents, who are teachers, brought me home from, from the hospital, perhaps. <laughs> and so I think that's always part of uh, every day that I live and, and, and how I work is just knowing that I have so much to learn all the time and that that's the um, attitude that I would always take. I am a pretty sort of resilient person. So um, I um, was quite independent in my thinking, you know, at school. I went to boarding school, living away from home. Um, so, you know, independent thinking is part of it. Um, I'm very much an introvert. So I was always someone who read a lot, wasn't someone who was that interested in large social settings. But um, finding the the balance in enjoying science and scientific discovery, curiosity, at the same time as I'm also very much influenced by the arts. I, I love art, I love painting, I love music, I, I play some music instruments. And I think having a range of uh, personal interests is, you know, pretty important. But also, you know, uh, you know, going through medical school uh, trains you to be uh, adaptable and flexible in um, so many areas of medicine. But it also teaches certain communication skills, I think. As I said, I'm an introvert. This is not what I like, love to do, talking to um, the media. or This is not, you know, my general personality. But I think... Uh, talking about um, some very difficult um, situations and decisions with patients, with, with parents. I was a, you know, trained to be a pediatrician. Uh, it's part of the training that comes with having to communicate dif difficult things. And I try to draw on those kind of experiences um, 
knowing that communicating uh, very severe illness or outcomes of children's health to parents was so difficult that nothing else could be more difficult than that. Um, helps me centered and think, okay, well, this interview can't be that difficult if I was able to communicate some very sad and difficult things to individuals in the past. Uh, now the population is my patient and I have to sort of look at communicating using similar uh, approaches as well. You mentioned that you're an introvert um, and in many ways you've become one of the public faces of Canada's uh, health response to this oh. pandemic uh, and you've, you've become a household name virtually overnight. Uh, my kids know who you are and they were so excited when they <laughs> heard this morning that I'd be speaking to you today. I wonder what that's been like for you. I mean, there's been fan art, uh, there's been hashtags, I stand with Dr. Tam on Twitter, there's been YouTube tributes. What has that been like for you? Um, a little bit surreal, actually, at times, but um, I don't really like to watch myself on TV too much, but uh, one has to do that to learn from a communications experience. But it's very true. The moment I step out of my door now, I get recognized and people actually say hi. And it is it's this extremely different experience uh, from before. One can't feel but sort of humility in the face of all of that that's going on. I have to say to all Canadians that it really helps when they send messages of support. And, you know, I think people could see that I was getting tired at one point. They were sending me messages to say, take a bit of a break, look after yourself. That's actually been extremely, extremely um, important in keeping going. And kids, I love kids and, and their messages. I see the way that they contributed to our response, drawing rainbows, uh, singing songs as they're washing their hands. And, you know, all of that is absolutely amazing. But I have to say that, you know, I, um, I think like everyone else, don't go out as much. So I don't really interact uh, with the outside world very much, except through the media, which is quite a strange way to live, I have to say. And so, um, you know, the, the concept of physically distance, but socially connected through virtual means. And so um, I, I guess I'm adapting to it uh, myself. When your global office is five steps away from your bedroom, when your five-year plan turns into a five-day plan, when you're rethinking how you do business, that's when you know you're going through business as unusual. At Export Development Canada, we're shifting too. We're widening our focus from helping Canadian companies go global to helping companies of all sizes simply keep going. Visit edc.ca for financial solutions and expert advice to help your company. One of the uh, issues that this pandemic has um, shone a light on or perhaps made the public more aware of is racism. And I wanted to ask you about your own experiences uh, with racism, particularly in the last six months. You've obviously been uh, the target of racist comments from politicians, from some members of the public. There have been some so there's been criticism of you that's been based on um, your gender. I wanted to know 
you know, how has that impacted you? And how have you risen above that? What is your advice to ordinary people who are also living this every day? Yes, so I think, um, you know, I, I grew up in, in England and uh, I was born in Hong Kong and I came to Canada after I finished medical school and my internship. I actually felt that Canada was a very welcoming place and that it was actually quite easy to live in Canada uh, as someone who's a visual minority, a racialized uh, person. Uh, so there's a lot of strength and resilience in our communities. There are definitely, like all societies, people who uh, stigmatize and discriminate against others, but we do have to keep going in um, our strive as a community and in Canada to be that equitable place where everyone can thrive. So yes, there've been hurtful messages, um, you know, some of the politicization. I'm not a politician, just so every Canadian knows that I'm a public servant. You know, I'm not the elected official, but I sort of walk that fine line in, in balancing the sort of science and public health with some of those kind of criticisms that come from the fact that it's a highly politically charged environment. You know, I guess one aspect of being introvert is that you can shut out a lot of extraneous noise and just focus on the everyday, on living in that moment, on focusing on the task at hand. That I'm actually pretty good at. But you know, knowing that I can contribute to reducing uh, stigma and discrimination. I think it is, as in any society, the concept of someone being different and the us and them phenomenon that we must, every one of us, address. I actually did a report that I released last year on stigma and building a more inclusive health system. The health system itself um, has more to do uh, because it is a place where it should be safe and people get taken care of. But there's things that we can do as individuals. We, we can learn how to check ourselves in terms of our own thought processes and um, in terms of our own biases. See if we can leave some of those at the door. In our workplaces, we need to be able to do that. Like the emergency room should be supportive and should not have um, uh, uh, workers who might be discriminating against racialized populations. And then at the systemic level, there's more to be done in policies and in strengthening and changing all of those. But as a community, I think I strongly believe that Canada is a society where we can continue uh, to improve, to so leverage our diversity, leverage our resilience, and with that, we can continue not just to suppress this virus, but to go forward uh, stronger than we had before the pandemic. It, is, it, it does hit me emotionally, but then you just have to sort of readjust and um, know that I am a strong person and that I can get through this and that you know, we can we can't build on our strengths and rise above all of this. Well, as a racialized person myself, I too have experienced racism, but not necessarily in full public view as what happened to you. I'm wondering how you 
stay healthy, uh, both mentally and physically? You mentioned that you did do a bit of running, but what else do you do uh, to make sure that you remain centered? Well, I think as um, we, you know, as I wake up every day, I have found it uh, useful to uh, practice an exercise in uh, being grateful for what I have. I still feel that I am a you know, relatively privileged person. I'm grateful for my family being healthy. So you know, that keeps me mentally healthy as well. I'm trying, like many, I'm sure, Canadians to practice mindfulness, to you know, use that uh, learning to remain focused. I mean, I, as, as I said, I'm a musician, so I, again, squeeze in a l- little bit of interest. I love Lego, actually. So people, have, you know, I don't know if on, on my Twitter account, people have built little Lego models because some people know that, you know, that's just one of my pastimes and, and you know, just felt finding a few minutes to build a few blocks at a time um, is important as well. And, you know, running, uh, uh, cycling a little bit, doing a bit of yoga, a bit of this mindfulness training. But in the end, I think I'm just grateful for everything that I have. There's definitely moments when I think, how, how can I really do this position? It's so hard. And, and then, you know, and then picking myself up and going, nope, you know, just uh, be methodical, be patient with yourself, uh, be compassionate, not just with others, but yourself can go a long ways into this sort of marathon journey. Uh, but as we, as I said, we're now in this sort of rebalancing, sustainable response uh, posture, and everyone is adapting, and I'm adapting as well. I'm wondering if you're a person who has regrets, whether just generally in life, but also specifically in the last six months. I'm, I mean, you've been criticized for perhaps not advocating that the general public wear masks as general practice sooner, you know, being too slow to uh, advocate for the border to be closed. There's also been criticism that perhaps you've downplayed the risk of community spread. Do you have any regrets about any of your early guidance? Well, I think, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. So people have to take themselves back to that moment in time and analyze what was happening. So I think I'm always open to lessons learned. Um, and moving forwards, I think that's the most important thing. So I cannot say whether um, at that moment in time when there was, I think by March the 11, we had about 100 cases that we know of in Canada. Very rapidly after that, um, many things were um, put in place, including border restrictions screening and then quarantine and many public health measures happening very, very rapidly. People may forget that it was an unprecedented experience and many scientists, many people who are much more experienced than me even in around the world, Dr. Fulci in the United States, we weren't that different in our thinking at the time, but we evolved as evidence and as information came along, which is actually very difficult to convey, we can always do better. Always, always. Totally open to that uh, kind of criticism as well. Um, 
people should always remember that I'm not the only one that makes those decisions. And as an advisor, I work across the country with many chief medical officers of health. I'm very proud that we've all been on the same journey together. And, um, and that's how you build cohesion uh, across the country in, in how we respond. And so, and Canada's a very, very country. You, you have regions that haven't experienced much at all. I keep thinking parts of Canada is like New Zealand. Another part is more like South Korea. And another part is more like some of the other countries that uh, the G7 countries. Uh, but we have not experienced the overwhelming of our health systems as it happened in Italy, in Spain, countries not unlike ours, and parts of the United States and New York City. So I think my approach is open, always open to lessons learned. Questions are totally reasonable, but people have to take objectivity and the evidence at hand. And I think uh, in terms of the, um, the messaging, right from the start, you know, is, is, is communicating this virus will arrive in Canada, we need to prepare. The risk at the time to Canadians within the Canadian context was low for the general public, higher for people at risk. But I think maybe a better magnification of what is the risk, not just to health, but as I said, it's a multi-sectoral response. It's not just a risk to the health of Canadians. It could be a risk to society and to its economy. It's a, probably a better way of communicating a much vast, uh, a, a more vast landscape of risk communication as well. But um, so, so I think um, there's always lots to learn and um, that's how I, I look at it. And I, one has to move forwards. And, you know, again, at this point with hindsight, great. Using hindsight to sort of decipher what you did at the time is not sort of necessarily the, mo the methodologically sound approach. And so I think people just need to be open uh, to look at what happened at the beginning, but recognizing that Canada did really pretty well. That was Dr. Teresa Tam, Canada's Chief Public Health Officer. I'm Rita Tritcher. Restoring Confidence is a Globe and Mail podcast. Its producer is Kyle Fulton. Our executive producer is Kieran Rana. Thank you for listening and see you next time.